Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. And solo show this week, you can catch Tim Torch with a variety of premium shows over at patreon.com slash UTH. Also, reminder, all the content is already streaming over for UTH premium shows. You get things like Running Back Roundup. You get the utilization report uh, where it looks at player usage and some of the biggest trends coming out of that. You get the early waiver wire look as well as updates to the rankings trade calculator, and everything you need, including the waiver wire, to dominate coming into week six here. I want to go over a few key points on players coming out of week five and where we stand. I'm sure Anthony Richardson is going to be a major talking point this week. The hand-wringing about the missed games, he's had two partials, and the two full games he's played, he put up 25 and 33 points respectively. And I was actually looking at this from a fantasy points per quarter standpoint, because uh, he is averaging eight points in the scoring I'm looking at, the stock one uh, that I that I use heavily across my leagues. Eight points per, per fantasy quarter, he's been healthy. He's played basically about 10 quarters. And that might even be overstating. It might be nine and a half. <laughs> but uh, eight points per quarter, you prorate that out, he is QB one overall in points per game, uh, including others that have had partial times. And basically, a ton of quarterbacks have played every quarter and essentially without missing snaps this season. And this is what I find fascinating is that Anthony Richardson with injuries, it's tough to... I know that missed games and actually partial games are the biggest killer because they go out there and like, for example, this past week, he put up five points. About 100 total yards, uh, you know, a little bit on the ground, but it was about 100 total yards and then he's gone. He's gone forever, and it's not the poor game. It's not a bad matchup. It's not he threw three picks. It's the fact that he literally did not have the data points of playing snaps to see what was going on there. And that is the absolute killer. We'd rather have someone known to be out, and so we can play somebody else that gives us a full complement of snaps and data points. But here's what I will say. I don't think, for all the hand-wringing, I don't think the market, and I don't think Anthony Richardson owners and managers are going to be selling low on him. And selling low, I would identify as being outside the top eight to 10 in Dynasty. That can seem high in terms of of saying, oh, well, you know, the you, he's a young quarterback, he's missed time, he's, he's a complete project. I don't think he really is. You know, I think he's been, if we, if we look at what he's done this season, he's been a pleasant surprise as a passer. He's been, you know, and, and we kind of uh, gloss over that pretty easily because that's where we are now. We adapt so quickly to what's happening now. And Richardson in the market is going to be right around QB six, seven, eight. Um, and again, I don't think you're going to see a 10% discount because he's going to be out for a stretch of time right now. He's going to be back for the fantasy regular season ending, most likely, and in the playoffs. And guess what? When he's active, you're starting him. So uh, that's all you need to know about the vibrant fantasy player he's been so far. 
And so for Richardson, he's one that's trending the right way by the market. He's still ahead of CJ Stroud. I would expect that to continue because fantasy-wise, he has a much easier pathway to being a dominant player. Heck, on a per uh, per drive, per quarter basis, he already is a vibrant and dominant fantasy player. Um, and so you you if you factor that in, I don't think the discounts are happening. The second point I wanted to make at the quarterback position is Joe Burrow. He had almost as many fantasy points this week than he had in the first, well, certainly the last two, three games combined. And he looked at the bigger thing than the fantasy result, which was a big fantasy performance, three touchdowns over 300 yards. Here's the bigger thing. He looked more like himself extending plays. Uh, you still saw him uh, adapting a little bit when he would push off, quote unquote, push off in the pocket, but he was moving around a lot more, extending plays. It's a small thing, but he had more rushing yards than any other game this season. And this was without T. Higgins. So T. Higgins missed the game. And Trent Irwin is going to be someone that we need to heavily consider. Good matchup against Seattle coming up this week. And we know they're going to pepper Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase actually was a discount in the marketplace with the quote-unquote downtime uh, that he was having uh, earlier in the season. Ah, I can't score a touchdown. Well, guess what? He, he, he schluffed all that aside in week five. And Joe Burrow, you know, he was the major over the last couple of weeks talking point of go after him in dynasty trading. And the reason we say that is the first time he pops back up. And guess what? It happened week five. That window is completely shut. So now that Burrow had a three touchdown game, 30 plus points, 300 plus yards, easily his best game of the season, that window is completely gone. And here's the good news. If he can get through next week, if he can have another quality game, couple touchdowns, maybe Higgins is back, maybe he's not, but exploitable matchup at home. They got the win against Arizona, now Seattle at home and, and get to the bye. Now you got a chance. Because the schedule gets a little more difficult. You have 49ers after the bye, Bills, Ravens, all in the opening month after the bye week. So he needs to be healthier or his healthiest point of the season when he gets there. So this is a critical week to stay healthy, not have a setback, get to the bye, and then they got a chance. They have a chance to maybe challenge or maybe be competitive against the 49ers in a few weeks. But at a minimum, dynasty-wise, this is where it turns the tables for where he was because there was a discount. He was slipping in the QB 3, 4, 5, 6 range to the bottom of that rung. And now he is stabilizing himself where he might be average Joe. He might not be a rushing option. But still, his floor is insanely high from a long-term perspective. So, you know, there, there is a fall off after about five, six, seven, eight quarterbacks and Burrow is inside of that line. So again, this means the door is shut. This means that the discount, no soup for you, soup Nazi style. That is not coming here in future weeks because you saw that flash. Even if Burrow has a down game or even if he re-aggravates his calf going into the bye, his owners are going to be holding firm. And that's why it is a point of emphasis and something that I mentioned a few weeks ago on one of the UTH family of podcasts that you need to be super active and vigilant when you have a specific uh, marching order or a specific uh, to-do list item in your dynasty trading of, along your leagues. And if that is Joe Burrow, or if that is selling Khalil Herbert, then or, or anything of that ilk, you need to go out there and be fervent 
in your approach as opposed to going into every single one of your leagues, whether you're in five, whether you're in 20, or whether you're 100. And instead of going in there and just looking at it and being like, eh, what, what do I have to sell? What do I have to buy? Uh, going in there and, and specifically spending your 1.0 time and attention Wednesday through Saturday Go in there with that one item and say, I'm going to make a bunch of offers for Joe Burrow, or I'm going to make a bunch of offers where I have them to sell Khalil Herbert, or whatever that, that item is. It, Joe Burrow was on that item list. There will be new players, new opportunities in future weeks, but Joe Burrow is now not one of them because the discount is not coming. You can still go towards him. I still prefer Justin Herbert um, as, a, as an action item in that zone of non-Mahomes, non-Josh Allen, and Superflex of who to go after. I would still rather go after Justin Herbert than Joe Burrow. The running back I wanted to feature this week is Amari DiMarcato there in Arizona. Knee injury for James Conner and DiMarcato was already someone that UTH and I was discussing as someone that is going to dominate, potentially dominate the passing game, having a lot of concerns about Keontae Ingram in that fashion coming out of last year. DeMarcado has the athleticism, and this is a team that's likely to trail. So one that you need to be uh, open to the pass catcher, even if there is a firm split with two guys uh, in a post-Connor world. Well, Connor could be missing multiple weeks. There's a lot uh, in terms of uh, a range of outcomes as we enter week six here. I'm recording this on Monday. But DeMarcado is one that should have been picked up in the last week or two with tea leaves pointing to him as the running back too. Now, the bad news is, is this is not a highly optimized backfield and offense to produce high-level, easy fantasy points for the running back position. However, DeMarcado dominated over Corey Clement, who's been a cockroach, someone that's siphoned away some opportunities from younger players in his lineage and time in the NFL, Corey Clement has, but DeMarcado is going to get, uh, is going to be the primary option if James uh, Connor were to miss time. The biggest linchpin and the biggest hurdle here is going to be do they bring in someone like Leonard Fournette if Connor is going to miss a month in an example scenario? If it's more than a week or two, is this where they pull the trigger? Now, I would say if they didn't have confidence in DeMarcado, uh, Ingram to some small degree, Corey Clement, then why didn't they bring in uh, Fournette yet? And maybe it's out of sight, out of mind. Uh, Connor's our workhorse. We don't need anybody else. So maybe now we need somebody else. So to me, it's Fournette and DeMarcado uh, as the most interesting ads here for Arizona in terms of a market perspective. And and Connor, again, I talk about uh, Hilo, high leverage opportunities all the time. Connor uh, you know, had a, a partial game, obviously, in week five, but he is running back 25 in points per game. And he was only going to be a little bit higher than that, still probably in the running back 20s if he played the whole game this past week. So this is one where even James Conner is not surviving and thriving. So I do want to have some restrictor plates on what you project the upside and how excited you are getting about Arizona if we get a clarified opportunity. I think it's better than what we saw from Matt Breida and the Giants, which was a, I don't feel super excited about it, putting him in my lineup, but I think you're going to have a higher market share of DeMarcado for the running back split than Matt Breida versus what we saw with Eric Gray this past week, which was far too close to have high hopes, expectations, and confidence for your lineup. 
At the wide receiver position, I want to emphasize what we saw in week five for the Rams. Cooper Cup being back, and you want to talk about a point of emphasis, he had four receptions early in this game, uh, right back into it, didn't know how much he was going to play. Look at the difference between Jonathan Taylor getting a warm-up game, uh, kind of gradually getting himself back into the offense, and Cooper Cup thrown right in, big opportunities. Both he and Puka Nakua scored 19 PPR points this week. And I mentioned this could be a Miami Dolphins situation, a high market share for two wide receivers dominating in an offense. Well, week one, out of the gate here with that combo, we saw Cup and Nakua combined for 62% of the team targets, 71% of the receptions, and 85% of the passing yardage for the Rams. And the big loser, I was kind of concerned that Tutu Atwell might be the loser here, and Van Jefferson, who has had so much allegiance with the team that is not based in reality and not based on his performance, it's been jarring in recent years, especially this year, because Cooper Cup has been out. Well, I believe the Rams got it right because Tutu Atwell was the clear wide receiver three. Van Jefferson had a total of two routes. So again, clarity is a good thing in fantasy and having the clarity that we can drop Van Jefferson is finally, it's like a hallelujah. You know, we have been freed from thinking we have to roster this player that's seeing requisite amounts of routes on a uh, paired with a quality quarterback offense. And so the good news is that Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, they can both be wide receiver ones. You know, that we had 19 points out of Cooper Cup uh, on a on a per game basis. That's the top 10 player, you know, at the wide receiver position. And Nakua still, you know, right there in terms of probably, they're both probably going to be top 12 options, top 15 at worst, auto start players. And the good news is they got the, the uh, inefficient Van Jefferson out of there. And Tutu Atwell is going to be someone that, frankly, I don't think anyone in the opening month was starting him with more confidence than a wide receiver three or four anyway. And that's going to be where he slots for now going forward. Also, Tyler Higby, he's going to be a loser in terms of, you know, he was a guy that we put in lineups a lot. Now he might just be a bye week or injury guy at the tight end position. This ball is going to funnel through those two guys. And let's cross our fingers that Matthew Stafford is going to be healthy and vibrant and not take so many hits. Uh, it was a week or two ago that he took a lot of shots. He was playing his old style. Didn't know if he was going to make, make it through the month of October with how that was trending. But this week was a little cleaner in that regard. And let's hope with Cooper Cup, with Puka Nakua, and two very strong players, let's harken back to the Robert Woods days of this offense, that they can both survive and thrive. But Matthew Stafford being healthy is the biggest pivot point. And one other piece I would say about the Rams, the cheapest ver the cheapest option in the offense with the most upside of changing your team from now to the end of the season is Ronnie Rivers. Uh, he would have a dominant market share of the backfield if Kieran Williams, who's seeing a monster workload in terms of uh, shares uh, of the backfield rushing and receiving, if he were to miss time, Ronnie Rivers for the win. At the tight end position, I want to preach patience. Uh, when you have strong talents and in situations where it's not coming together for two, three, four weeks at a time, you got to keep doubling down. For the opening month of the season, George Kittle had three games of six points or fewer. He explodes three touchdowns on three catches. We know he's capable of that any given week with the way the 49ers choose certain matchups and, and uh, spread the wealth point guard fashion with Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. He explodes for 24 points and the tight end one overall this week. 
Another example, Dallas Goddard, squeaky wheel, getting all the grease, ton of targets and receptions early in this game. He had 22 points in the opening month, including a donut in week one. 24 points, more than half of his season total now, came in week five. Moving and, and, and tying George Kittle. Then uh, the other name I wanted to bring up is Kyle Pitts. 38 points on the season, 16 came this past week. You mired through four straight weeks of nine points or fewer on, on the PPR front. So those are examples of players that you should have uh, talent trust and ones that situationally were murky and you might lose faith. But here's what I would say. Tight end is such a low-level position that the cream rises and it's very easy to see on who you should keep that allegiance and keep starting because even one pop game, like if you mired through and you're, you're, you're with George Kittle, let's say, and it's like, oh, I think I should start uh, Hunter Henry. I think I should start, uh, you know, Tyler Higby instead of him. I think I should start, you know, insert name here, Dalton Kincaid, you know, just because I'm getting tired of this, Chico Conquo. The, the upside factor of someone like George Kittle and secondarily, you know, just with situation right now, Kyle Pitts, uh, but certainly Dallas Goddard within that Eagles offense, their probabilities to hit 20 plus points are way higher than those other players I just named. And even if they give you one of those a month and the other three blend into the backdrop, they make a substantial wins over replacement and difference making possibility to 2x or 3x the tight end you are playing in your head to head matchup that you have to keep going after them. Kittle, again, might have two games of six points or fewer coming up next. But the prospect, the possibility, you know, Evan Ingram is that kind of pop player too, right? He's been sort of miring. I mean, what's funny is he's a mid-tight end one, but he hasn't had more than 13 points in a game. We've seen the monster games out of him. We've seen monster games out of Darren Waller. He feels like he's warming up. So these are the types of options that when you have 15, 20-plus point possibilities any given week at tight end, difficult to find. And I think that that also means to shout out to Sam Laporta. Opening five weeks, he is tight end three in points per game. He's got three double-digit games, two 15-plus games, and a high of 21 points in a game this season. You've had Amon Ross St. Brown now in and out of the lineup. Jameson Williams missed a month. You've got a bunch of uh, promising possible streamer types around him, but Multiple touchdowns this past week. He's been 39 yards or better every game this season. Uh, At least four targets. He actually had four targets as a low this past week. This start he's had to his career is George Kittle-like in terms of how he's playing. Gronkowski, he's breaking tackles. And this is on an offense that has talent around him. But when you have anyone taken out, and frankly, it hasn't mattered. Jameer Gibbs has played. Amon Ross St. Brown has played. It doesn't matter. Laporta is right there among the top of the position. Now, it is still Travis Kelsey uh, and uh, Mark Andrews and everybody else, but Laporta is rising. Laporta, Laporta is right there with TJ Hawkinson. I don't have a lot of faith in Cole Komet and Justin uh, Fields to keep this going, but you know what? Bears get 101 <laughs> pick in the draft. I'm probably feeling better about Cole Komet with a new contract there in 2024. So uh, the tight end position is always about the have and have nots. But even the guys that are technically, you look at season long right now, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts, those are technically part of the have nots. But you know what? They're favorites among the have nots to any given week be part of the haves. 
slipped through the wickets last week, but wanted to give a shout out in the UTH subscriber best ball contest to Grant. Taking it down in week four, he narrowly beat me by a few points, had the perfect storm, only 20 players, uh, not common for uh, teams to win or, or finish super well. If you only have 20 players, you can have up to 35 in the contest, but Grant, congratulations in week four. Uh, he had C.J. Stroud, Sam Howell, and Russell Wilson. So going cheap at the quarterback position and talk about getting production out of it on a per-dollar basis there in this salary cap format. He's got David Montgomery, who is a touchdown maven. Could have had a lot more, but a monster game for him in week four with those three touchdowns, over 140 total yards. Nico Collins has been a breakout player as he's gone cheap at the wide receiver position. He's got some startable games out of Marvin Mims. And then he paid up for Mark Andrews, uh, Darren Waller, coming out uh, hot in terms of their usage this season in general and going forward. Maybe someone like Jalen Hyatt can provide more value for him uh, as he has Aaron Jones coming back as well in the short term. So congratulations to Grant in week four for taking down the entire contest with the number one weekly finish. And for week five in the contest, there's three names, I think, uh, between these three, we're going to get one of the weekly champions. Right now, in the the bird dog seat in the clubhouse is Jeremy Anderson. Uh, So congratulations to Jeremy, uh, standing with the lead right now at 241 points. Uh, That's a firm total. And uh, again, he's sitting on no players remaining. So he's sitting there at 241. But the two names I would keep in mind are Tim C. Uh, He's a few points behind, but he still has Jaden Reed to play. So if Jaden Reed has a good game, might take a big game, uh, but Tim C could come for him. And the other one is Jamie Palos. Uh, He's, again, another 10 points or so behind, but he has Romeo Dobbs playing and Jordan Love. Now, it would take a big monster game by Jordan Love to get him in the lineup. He'd have to go past Sam Howell. Uh, in the in terms of 28 points on the week with this big scoring. And then also, again, Romeo Dobbs would be someone that needs probably close to 20 points for Palos to end up surpassing Jeremy Anderson. But those are the high-scoring and most prominent names in the contest this week. As always, thanks to My Fantasy League for hosting the contest on an annual basis. And it's so great to rub elbows, rub shoulders uh, with this salary cap contest that we provide uh, with some prizes there on an annual basis. But just as a way to give back and be competitive with all the UTH listeners, super fans out there in the contest. Finally, a rundown of some of the things you get at UTH with the premium sign up as well as over at patreon.com slash UTH for content in a given week. Uh, it's a significant workday on Mondays, but a lot comes out Monday through Wednesday to get you ready. Uh, there's a waiver wire article, a corresponding uh, waiver wire podcast talking through scenarios. I talk about utilization data and opportunity hunting. Uh, you get a top 10 show for Patreon. You also get um, a long form show that comes out uh, the wider the tight end position. You also get running back roundup uh, for UTH. In my opinion, it's the best dollar for dollar show um, and piece of content I put out on a weekly basis just because we go through all the depth charts and everything you need to know from the waiver wire to the changing opportunities so we can shade our benches for the most optimal use of our roster spots. Also, you get the quarterback and inju- running back matrices injury away uh, with the updates. Uh, you get a ton of different Uh, highlights, as well as who's hurt, who's rising, who's falling, opportunities, um, all of that. And then you're going to get the UTH 
dynasty rankings, trade calculator updates on a weekly basis. Uh, I mentioned running back roundup. And again, you're going to get a ton of data diving uh, for waiver wire setting. Uh, we make, uh, we actually have with Ryan Morgan and myself, we do a wide receiver and tight end streaming challenge uh, on a weekly basis. So you get transparency for that. And plus a weekly update to the adjusted strength of schedule coming forward, streaming possibilities, hot spots, cold spots later in the week. Plus late in the week, you get final thoughts. So many things change uh, b- between Monday and Tuesday. You're setting your 1.0 waivers. Well, guess what? By Friday, Saturday, we got a whole different dynamic of who's actually out, who's actually in, and who's actually interesting for those final roster spots. So make sure you're a part of all of that as UTH General Manager Plus subscriber, and you sign up over at patreon.com slash UTH. Thanks so much for listening this week. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dice. But I was just proud of my, I was proud of myself for making the choice. Like some people pee their pants, just it happens, it's an accident. Right. I was like, you know what? Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs>